Acts chapter 18, beginning with verse 18. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Centria because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined, but as he left, he promised, I'll come back if it's God's will. Then he set sail for Ephesus, and when he landed at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem, greeted the church, and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phygia, strengthening all the disciples. Some years ago, I said to my friend, Reverend Charles Booth, every sentence in the Bible can preach. You don't need to look for a sermon, just read the Bible. Verse 23, after spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phygia, strengthening all the disciples. As you take your seat, touch somebody and tell them, I ain't got tired yet. Paul's second missionary journey was coming, had come to an end. It had taken him to some new and strange and marvelously wonderful places. I told you last Sunday it had been his plan to go into Asia, to go east, where meditation and contemplation were the order of the day. But instead, God sent him west to where roads and systems and organization was in place pointed him to the land of Macedonia, to the Greek-speaking territory, and there he went preaching the word. He was out of his element, out of Palestine, out of the region where he felt at home. He was, to put it simply, in uncharted waters. His first assignment was in the city of Philippi. There he found himself placed in the bottom of a jail simply for being himself. But in the midst of it all, at a prayer meeting held at midnight with he and his companion Silas, they prayed until the walls of the dungeon shook and the jail came tumbling down and the movement was launched in Europe and souls were saved. From that moment on, every city he went in welcomed him, but then warred against him. The people received him, and then some rejected him. They listened to him, but then some left him. It must have taken about two or three years for Paul to finish that sweep, that missionary journey that I told you began last week. He traveled through cities like Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Antioch, and at the time of the text, he has come down through Corinth and stayed there. Many other places, each one demanding much from him, almost to the point of costing him his life. 
Don't fool yourself, my brothers and sisters. This work can be costly. The historical record reveals an unending list of martyred individuals for the cause of Christ. They were crucified. They were burned in pots of boiling oil. They were fed to lions, killed by gladiators, left to languish or die in prison, crucified upside down. Paul was included in the number of those who suffered. For the Bible says, these are they who hazarded, risked their lives for the name of Jesus Christ. Put in prison, beaten, always living in danger. But in spite of everything he went through, nudge somebody and tell them this, he completed the task. Some people are always looking for an out, a reason to quit, a reason to give up. But quitters never win. I heard Robert Shula say, and winners never quit. Uh-oh, lean over to somebody and say, I don't quit. Paul stayed on the case with no army, no military, no soldiers by his side. Just a few associated ministers who probably could not fight. Hello. But yet he stayed on the case, his life in peril. People wanting him dead, but he did not give up. And by the time of our text, he can say to himself, I have fought a good fight. I have run my race and I have kept the faith. He has made that full sweep and has come back to the city of Jerusalem to report to the church there about what God has done in these cities where he's traveled. And after giving the report to the church in Jerusalem, Paul goes back down to the city of Antioch in Syria from whence he launched that journey. He goes back to the city, Antioch, that started it all. This was supposed to be his time to heal, his moment to rest up, to regain his strength from the rigors of the journey he has been on. Paul has not traveled the world in a Mercedes Benz. He has not had first-class air tickets to go city to city. He has not been on Amtrak's fast trains going to New York. Paul has made this three to five, year, two to three year journey on foot. Look at somebody and say, feet got to be tied. Corns, blisters, onions, bunions, you name it. Everything is happening. Can you imagine? The years spent walking from city to city, place to place. He's tired. He's worn out. His body is beat down. He has been through, to quote my father, hell and high water. He has managed to survive every attack that has come against him. He has suffered sicknesses and illnesses along the way. Remember, Paul speaks about having a thorn in the flesh. And he says, I even went to God and asked God to remove it. Have you ever asked God to take something away? And God said, no. Nope. 
In fact, God told Paul, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, your problem will cause others to praise me. Help me somebody. What you survive will be a testimony to other people. I'm not moving your thorn. And some say that thorn was the illness malaria that constantly rose up against him. Paul is worn out. But the text says after spending some time there, I mean a couple weeks or months in Antioch, he departed and went over all the country of Galatia and Phygia, strengthening the disciples. In other words, after a few months, after being out on the trail for years, after time and time again of putting his body through excruciating pain, suffering mental struggle after struggle, Paul does not take an extended vacation, nor does he hand the assignment over to somebody else. In fact, when the folk look at Paul and say, stay here, you ought to rest up. Paul says to them, I ain't got tired yet. I need you to look at somebody and tell them, me neither. I can't read this passage, Trisha, without wondering what made the apostle go back to the mission trail and go back so soon. He has worked himself to the bone. It's been hard. His years have advanced. You know, when Paul met Jesus, he was about 29 years of age. He's in his 50s now. He is up in age. I, I need to see the hand of anybody who knows 50 ain't 20. Come on, don't, don't sit up here and try to play cheap. I pluck that halo off your head and tell the truth. Lean over to the person beside you and tell them, I ain't you no more. How many of you know sometimes at 50 you getting up but half of you ain't? At 50 you trying to move and the other half saying, can we sit down? At 29, you ready to take on the world, fly. Your, it's your world, squirrel. You ready to do it all. But at 50, you saying, hey, you want to do it? Take it. Ain't no problem here. You do it. Run with it. At 50, you trying to remember your name sometimes. You, at 50, you can't even remember where you put your teeth. Somebody better say amen in this house. Paul is in his 50s. He has subjected himself to a lot. What makes him all of a sudden, when he has an opportunity to chill, say, I ain't tired. I'm going back to what I, I, I'm going back out here on the mission trail. And the reason I wonder that is because I know some people like Paul. I know some people who don't quit. God, I wish I had a witness in here. I wonder sometimes what it is that makes choir members get up early in the morning every Sunday morning and make their way to sing on the choir and don't let anything stop them. What makes ushers get up and drive up here long distances sometimes and stand at that door every Sunday morning? What is it that makes folk work on the parking lot when saints can't drive and almost run over top of them every week when I get a report so-and-so is still alive? Help me somebody. 
What makes people get out of bed on a Sunday morning, a sleeping Sunday like this, and say, I don't care, I'm going to church. I know I had a hard week last week, got a hard week this week, but I'm going to church this morning. Do I have anybody here who knows about pressing on and pressing through and not letting stuff stop you? I wonder what makes people say, I ain't tired. God, I feel like preaching this. I say again, Paul is no longer young. He's no longer the man who met Jesus on the Damascus Road. He is a gray-haired man. He's old now. He's up in age. He's old for his time. He ought to be able to sit there and rest. Folk don't want him to keep going. They want him to stay there. Paul says, no, I got to go. I've been here three weeks. It's time to get back on the trail. They look at him and say, but Paul, you haven't had a chance to heal. You still got some wounds. You still got, you're still tired. You're still worn out from the journey. You were out there for three years dealing with people you don't know, handling situations that are real tough, working that job extra hard. You need to sit down and rest a while. a while. Paul said, I ain't tired. I got to get back out there. And I started wondering what drives people like this? What makes people stay on the job? Nudge the person beside you say, is he talking about you today? If they say no, nudge the person on the other side and say, he talking about you? If they say no, move, you'll see. Move your seat. Just get up and move. You don't need to be sitting beside people who that tired. You need to sit beside somebody who can say, I ain't tired yet either. I began, I began, Darren, to start wondering, what is it that makes people stay this committed? And Paul said, all you got to do is look at me and look at the text. He said, I can tell you what energized me. I was energized by the thought of returning to the field because quiet as it's kept, God had me doing the very thing I love to do. And when you are where God wants you to be, doing what God wants you to do, something rises up inside of you. It is not a question of how difficult it is. You look at somebody and tell them, I eat difficulty for breakfast. It is not about it being hard. You are where you are supposed to be, and you love it more than anything else. Can I talk to somebody in here who knows about loving what you do? Paul said, wait a minute, you don't get it, Walter. I had been a tent maker. I had been a disciple of Gamaliel. I had been a Pharisee. But nothing brought me the joy and the satisfaction and the excitement of as serving Jesus Christ. When I serve Jesus Christ, wherever he places me, God, somebody needs to get this. If he puts me at a dishwashing machine, if he puts me at a supervisor's position, if he has me watching numbers, wherever God has placed me, if I am where I am supposed to be serving him, something rises up on the inside of me. That's what the Holy Spirit does for you. The Holy Spirit gets you excited about having an opportunity to serve the God who has taken you from nothing to something. Can I preach like I want? 
When you look at what he's done, can I talk to somebody here who knows about just getting excited about the challenges that are in front of you? Some of us think that the joy of life is an easy journey. No, the joy of life is knocking down every barrier that's in front of you, climbing every mountain that's put in front of you, getting through every valley that's in front of you. Can I talk to somebody who knows that God has put you in a place where it is not easy. Slap five with somebody. Tell them I don't need easy. Let me say it again. I eat easy for lunch. I eat easy for lunch. I have difficulty for breakfast and I have easy for lunch. God puts me in places where there are challenges and I love the fact that God gives me the opportunity to face challenges and to watch giants fall. God, I feel like shouting. I need to know, is there a David in this house where God has used you to bring down Goliaths that have stood in the pathway? And if you want to see somebody shout, I'm not talking about running up and down the aisle. I'm talking about just this. Let God give you an opportunity to face opposition and come out victorious. I need somebody to look at somebody and tell them, that's why I love this thing. I love God putting me places where I get to see what he does in my life. Do I have anybody here who knows God has been driving you into the situations you are in? Sometimes you say, I don't feel like it. I don't want to. But like Jeremiah, it's like fire shut up in your bones. You would do this in your sleep. You would do this for no pay. Why? Because you have found the place where God uses you to the greatest amount and it gives you great joy. I need somebody to not be ashamed that you have hard work and hard jobs, but it's where God puts you and the joy of the Lord is your strength. What gets me back in the game? The joy of the Lord. When you think about where God has brought you, if I could moonwalk, I'd slide across this floor. When I think about how God could take a boy from a 700 square foot house, some of y'all got a bedroom 700 square feet, and my whole house was 700 square feet, with noxema on my face and Vaseline on my ashy legs, somebody ought to say amen, and bergamot in my hair, help me somebody, and band roll on under my arm. When God could take me from everybody at the table having a different piece of the chicken. My brother had the wings. I had the drumsticks. My father had the breast. My mama had the back. Somebody better hear me and bring me to where I am. Baby, I get excited about the opportunity that he's given me. I love doing this more than anything in life. Paul says, 
Look at somebody and say, I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit. I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit. My God. Paul says, I, 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 I'm not tired because I love doing this more than anything else. Some of you don't realize you would die on the vine if your life got easy. You know, and, and one of the things I do apart from pastoring here is coach individuals. And I hear people say sometimes, can't wait till I retire. Let me see the hands of folks say, I can't wait till I go on, raise it. I ain't gonna say nothing terrible to you. Go on, raise it. I ain't gonna come down there with a knife and cut up your arm. But raise them up. How many of you say, boy, I'll be glad when I retire? Now here's my question, because coaches ask questions. What you gonna do? Most people who retire without a plan almost go crazy. Because you weren't born to do nothing. I'm going to sit home and collect my check. Do you know how long it takes to get your check? You got to have something in your life that's motivating you. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit gives you gifts for wherever the Lord places you. Can I, can I preach this thing? There is a Trinitarian approach to understanding your life. Jesus Christ places you in your assignment. Look at somebody and say, he put me here. You may not like it, but he put you there. You may not like it, but he put you there. He put you there. The Holy Spirit equips you for being there. So even if you don't like being there, you are equipped to be there. And once you realize you are equipped to be there, you'll start liking being there because you can do something there. Y'all missed it. But if you don't acknowledge the Holy Spirit in you, then you don't know what you're working with. And you won't be working with something. Stuff will just be working on you. But the moment you realize you are equipped for whatever else tries to come at you. In fact, the devil should have gotten the memo that God has equipped you for what he's going to bring at you. So that when he comes at you, slap five with somebody say, this is the part. You will still be standing. Can I see about 12 people in here who know you have stood through fire and flood and you have watched some other folk go by the wayside in the process because the spirit that was in you equipped you for where you are. Somebody ought to shout on that right now. That's why I ain't tired, because I'm equipped. And the Father gives the increase according to his plan. Jesus puts you where you are. The Holy Spirit equips you for where you are. And the Father brings forth the results that he's looking for from that place. You and I don't know the results. We just know we are equipped to bring them about. Paul said, that's why I got to get back on the job. I got to get back on the job because I like this more than anything else. But, but that's not all he said. I'm not tired. 
Because when I got to travel and do all of this, they said, yeah, but Paul, you know, you haven't even rested up. Your muscles have not recovered. Your brain, that Paul said, you don't understand. I got to get out there. And then somebody say, you got to get this. I ain't tired because I'm seeing lives changed. Now, I got news for you. You think a pay increase or you think a, a nice job is one, there's nothing that'll bring you greater satisfaction than to see God use you to change somebody else. I need 20 people who are on my street to get that. You may, Paul says, you know why I want to get back out there? It's not just because I like what I do. I'm amazed that God could take somebody like me. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. I'm going to hurt you. Given the stuff I have and the places I have. And yet God uses to change somebody else. Baby, I got to get back out there because I never lived where my stuff was working like this. God, I wish I had somebody in here who knows that every now and then it's just your smile that lights somebody up. Just your handshake and your hug. Have you ever not accomplished any of the things on your to-do list, but you felt good on the inside because you were blessing people in the process? I need you to look at somebody from that's what's blowing my mind that God is using me to bless somebody else I get excited when somebody says tell me about Jesus or I get excited when I have an opportunity to say to somebody though your sins be as scarlet he'll wash them right away or I tell somebody the Holy Spirit can make a way out of no way for you have you ever gotten lost talking about the goodness of the Lord when you start sharing with people I once was lost but the Lord came into my life. He took away some of my behavior. He changed the way I think. Now I feel freer than ever before. I've got a sense of joy like I've never had before. And people look at you and say, how did you get it? And you say, all I did was ask the Lord to come into my life to make a change in me. Now I don't walk like I used to walk. I don't think like I used to think. I don't act like I used to act. Am I on anybody's street and when I see God using me to bless somebody else I ain't got time to sit in no chair I got to get my rusty dusty up out of this chair I got to go somewhere cause God may use me to bless somebody else I need you to just lean over to somebody and tell them I'm blessed to be seated beside you God and if you understood what you just said they would shout because they blessed to be seated beside you they are blessed to be in your company blessed to be around you if you live your life understanding the gift of God that you are to the world 
God because the same power that was at work in Jesus is now at work in you that anyone who comes into your presence or proximity can be changed just by standing close to you because the spirit that is in you is also capable of being in them and to be around you where the spirit of the Lord is there is power there is peace there is joy Paul says I ain't tired because I'm seeing lives change Somebody said to me, well, what is the church doing? I said, the church is changing lives. See, Paul says, I'm, I ain't tired, but Paul, you well into your 50s. You don't have a car. You don't have bank. You don't have a cash app visa card. You out there on a humble. You don't know where your next meal coming from. This is the first time. This is the first time you had fried chicken in years. No, wait a minute. This is the first time you had a crab cake. And you talking about going back to India? They ain't got no crabs. Ain't nobody got no blue crabs or dungeons. Paul, you up in age, you, your health is not what it used to be. And you talking about you got to get back? Paul said, I'm seeing lives change. And what blowing my mind is God is using me to change people. I couldn't ask for nothing greater than that. But when he said, but the text says, Paul says this, he says, and I launched out going through Phygia and Galatia. I, I launched out there because See, when I saw lives change, not somebody say, get this. That's individuals turning around. But the beauty of God's work is this, and this is why you are so valuable. Individuals will not last long against the onslaught of evil. How many of you know, as saved as you are, the devil done tripped you up sometimes? Come on, give me that weak wave. Not, not the bold one. Hey, give me the weak one. Give me the, yeah, you right. Come on, look at somebody and say, he right today. I'm saved to the bone, but I did cuss him out. I'm saved to the bone, but you know I didn't mean to do it, but I did. Saved to the bone. Because... Paul says, I went back out to the cities because what I saw was not just lives being changed, but I saw the advance of the kingdom. In other words, individuals were coming together, realizing they couldn't be strong by themselves, but that their greater strength was connecting with somebody else. And what they didn't understand was as they connected, they were building and advancing the kingdom of God.
The devil may be able to come after you and whip you, but baby, when you got your brothers and sisters on your side, can I preach like I want? See, the kingdom was supposed to be destroyed. The kingdom was supposed to end on Good Friday. When they locked up Jesus and tried him and then ushered him up to the hill of Calvary, the kingdom, Jada, was supposed to end on Good Friday. They put nails in his hand, crown of thorns on his head, and hung him from the sixth to the ninth hour. And he hung his head in the locks of his shoulders and died. They had smitten the shepherd and now scattered the sheep. And in the minds of power, the kingdom was over. What they hadn't figured on, hallelujah to the Lamb of God, was that early Sunday morning, outside the city wall, at a tomb guarded by soldiers, God sent a blast from heaven, and the stone rolled away. And Jesus came marching out the grave, saying, I've got all power in heaven and in earth. For 40 days, he hung out with his disciples and then told them, go back to Jerusalem and wait. And on the 40, on the 50th day, he poured out the spirit that was in him on to them. And now all of a sudden, 120 people are out there talking about Jesus Christ. But remember, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got converted, which meant the Spirit of God now was poured out on 3,000. It was supposed to end on Good Friday, but it didn't end on Good Friday. It started growing and growing. And everywhere Paul went, he established a church. Everywhere Paul journeyed, he established a community of people who stuck together. I dare you to look at somebody and tell them we stick together. When you hurt, I hurt. When you need, I need. When you stand, I stand. I pray for you. You pray for me. We keep each other in the straight and narrow. We praise God together. If you don't know what I'm talking about, lean over to the person beside you and say, will you be my praise partner? If they say yes, then both of you raise your hands and give God praise. There's more power collectively than there is individually. That's why the Lord said, I am calling you out from the world. I need somebody to shout that God has put you in his kingdom church, that God has made you a part of a family of believers who are growing together in Christ. And when you feel low, one of them will pick up the telephone and call you and say, how you doing? When you're sitting there sad, one of them will take you by the hand and tell you God didn't bring you this far to leave you now. Do I have anybody in here who knows you get strength from being in God's house? Somebody ought to praise God for being a member of the family. Why do I drive long distances? Why do I get out of my bed on 
a Friday and a Saturday and a Sunday because God is doing something in the house we call his church. I need you to find somebody close to you and tell them the kingdom is advancing. The kingdom is advancing. And so Paul said, I want to strengthen everybody in the kingdom. I come to church every Sunday, not just to preach a sermon, but to help you become stronger against what you are up against. I don't want you to go to battle feeling that your weapons won't work, but the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds and bringing into captivity every thought that exalts itself. I want you to be strong enough to stand against every wile of the devil and tell the devil get behind me I want you to be strong enough to drive out devils and witches and warlocks I want you to be strong enough to rebuke evil when you see it I want you to be strong enough to be steadfast in the faith I want you to be strong enough to hold to God's unchanging hand look at somebody tell them I'm getting stronger I'm getting wiser I'm getting smarter right now I feel God's power if I have anybody in church who feels God's power working in your life and you say I want more of it God then that's why you're in this house grab somebody tell them I ain't got enough of it I want God to fill my cup from the top of my head to the soles of my feet so I can stand up against evil, stand up against oppression, stand up against unrighteousness, fight the devil wherever he shows up and set the captives free for the spirit of Jesus Christ is alive in you. The spirit of Jesus Christ is alive in you. If you know that God's alive in you, then I dare you to jump up on your feet and praise the God who's given you life. Praise the God who's given you purpose. Praise the God who makes your cup overflow. Look at somebody say, I got to go praise him. I just dare you to make your way to the altar. I just need some praises, some grateful folk to step out of where you are and make your way to the altar and just thank God for being stronger. Thank God for being wiser. Thank God for using you. Thank God for looking beyond your faults. Looking beyond your faults. Now praise him where you stand. Praise him while you walk. When praises go up, when praises go up, when praises go up, blessings come down to heal a, to heal a praise. Toda praise, Yoda praise. But whatever you got, give him your praise. Thank you, God. I'm not tired. Thank you, God. I still got more. Thank you, God. I've got more to give. Thank you, God.
Somebody else needs to make your way. This is your chance. This is your chance. Come from the balcony. Come from the floor. This is your chance. I ain't got tired. I don't to see anybody ever had an opportunity for God to use you to affect somebody else's life I don't care how good you feel about your large screen TV I don't care how wonderful your car is when God uses you to make a change in somebody's life. We're gonna be closing at the altar. We're gonna close this service at the altar. But I got a feeling there's some people in here who want God to use you in ways that you haven't even considered. I need you to make your way to the altar too. You want God to, to do everything I just preached about? You come on to this altar. You, you just step out and say, I, I want it. I want him to do this for me. 50-some-year-old man with no car. He ought to be ready to hand the baton to somebody else in a pre-industrial world. And yet he says, I ain't tired. I'm going back. Why are you going back, Paul? They almost killed you in a couple of them cities. Say, yeah, but I saw lives changed. And I saw God use me to bring about some of them changes. I was able to establish new collectives so that even when I wasn't there, I was there. Y'all ain't get it. I left them together as a group so that they could do great and mighty things in the Lord's name. I, I got to go back out there and strengthen them. I got to go back out there and teach them some stuff. Why are you going back out there, Paul? Because I love doing this more than anything else. When I look at who I was and who he made me, I need some of you to remember your deepest hurts and how he lifted you. From the ashes of your life, like the phoenix, your wings unfurled. You've shot. I want you to think about that which could have taken you under. 
and God scooped his hand. He scooped his hand and got you at your lowest point and then without effort on your part started until like the song says I could see the breaking of day and all of a sudden a new you was emerging the, the power that was at work in Jesus a ghetto kid from a barn was now is now at work in you and it's not where you came from or who you were it's who you are in Christ Jesus. It's not who you were or where you came from. It's who you are. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am a child of the King. I am an heir and joint heir with Jesus. Whatsoever I ask in his name believing, I will pray the Father, and it will. Hitherto you have asked nothing before in mine. Ask shall we give that your joy may be made complete. The joy of the Lord is now my strength, not my education, not my portfolio, but the joy of the Lord, knowing that the invincible God lives in me for purposes greater than me. That's my joy. I get happy. When I think about who I'm is, that I can do what I do, that I have abilities that I have, that I can walk where I walk, that no good thing will he withhold from me. Am I talking to anybody? Am I talking to anybody who's ever just sat in the chair and reflected? on the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And it blew your mind and all of a sudden you just had to get up. Oh God, I know somebody in here. Look at somebody and tell them, I had to get up, baby. I had to get up. I had to put some of this back to work. I had to do something. I need a praise from some folk who are praising God because he left you something to do. You still got something to do. We're going to close at the altar. If you'd like to be a part of our fellowship, and I invite you to hook up with this part, this part, us, we're going somewhere. In his name, we are going somewhere. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. 
nor hath it entered into the hearts of men what the Lord has in store for you. I need you to look at somebody and tell them I'm getting excited about my tomorrows. I speak change. I speak change coming to you and through you. I speak change coming to you and through you. You will make changes in the people who work with you. They may be resistant, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have not been given the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. You have been given the power of perseverance. You will stand and having done all stand. I need you to look at somebody and tell them I can't quit now. I've come too far. I've started too much. God has begun a good work in me. I can't quit. I must do more. I speak power through you. I speak change through you. I speak accomplishment through you. Now praise God for the prophecy on your life. Praise God for the prophecy on your life. I speak a word of prophecy on your life. God will use you in the places where he has put you to make a difference in the lives of those that are there. You know, I wanted to end the series last Sunday with last Sunday's sermon. And God kept telling me, no, you can't, you can't, you can't. When I read this passage sometime before, I realized not only is this a sermon for us, this is my sermon. I ain't tired because I love doing this more than anything else. I ain't tired because I'm seeing lives change. Been here 44 years. I've seen families ripped apart and I've seen the Holy Spirit knit them back together. I've seen people lose their jobs, and I've seen the Holy Spirit give them better jobs. I've seen folks stand against oppressive forces and weather every storm. I'm seeing lives changed. And when I think about the fact that God would use me to help affect some of that, it blows my mind. I need you to lean over to somebody and tell them, I'm not really all that. But God says you're the all that that I want.
when I see folk hungry to be stronger. Some of you now handle problems that three or four years ago, five or six years ago, you'd have near died. Look at somebody and tell them, baby, I'm a whole lot stronger. And for the world we now face, the challenges we now have to deal with, you can't afford to not be stronger. If everything in the house weighs 200 pounds, you can't brag that you can lift 100. You got to step your game up so you can lift what God is putting in front of you. I need you to lean over to somebody and tell them we got to step up our game. We got to step up our game because what God is calling us to lift now is beyond what we lifted last week. So guess what? I train while everybody else sleeps. I train while everybody else sleeps. Look at somebody tell them, I'm a night crawler. I train while everybody, while the world is sleeping, I'm getting ready. While the world is doing their thing, I'm getting stronger. While the world is plotting their moves, I'm becoming who God needs me to be. And when I step forth, I want you to hold somebody's hand and put a smile on your face. I finish this up next service, hopefully, if somebody will. My God, what a God we serve. Lord, I hear showers of blessings. I can sit back and delegate every assignment to somebody else, or I can step up, step back into the fight. I love serving God where he has placed me. God has made me a preacher and a pastor. God's made you something. Some of you are managers, supervisors. Some of you are heads of departments. Some of you have your own business. Some of you are laborers. Some of you are specialists. Some of you are accountants, some engineers, some doctors, some lawyers, different places. But God, through Jesus Christ, has put each of us where we are. Some are homemakers. Some are household technicians. But God, some are students. But God, through Jesus Christ, put you where you are. And the Holy Spirit, has equipped you 
to do fully, brilliantly, and completely everything God wants done, you can and will shine. Don't worry about a person who's putting you down and talking about you. Turn the wattage or the amperage on your light up. Quit being a three-way lamp on, on switch one. Quit being a match when God made you a torch. Lighten and brighten up the skies with your ideas, your sensitivities, your, your inclination to let God use you. And let the glow of God radiate from you. When people see you, let them see the resurrected Christ.